Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Man, people do love to be political at all hours of the day. I mean, they love it. I, I, I get for some of them, right, it's their business. But they really do want everything to be about the politics and not to be about the humanity. We've argued this many times here. If you allow your ideology to supplant your humanity, what have you got left? What do you have? The answer is is nothing. Yet we have seen leftist after leftist, Democrat after Democrat, pretend like there's nothing wrong with Senator John Fetterman and there's nothing wrong with Senator Dianne Feinstein. There's nothing wrong with President Biden. When, of course, there is in all three cases. In two of the cases, it's age. In one of the cases, it's a stroke that the man has not recovered from. I'm saying, for the record, I have no way of knowing, and I certainly do not believe, that John Fetterman understands questions, thoughts, ideas, or policy put in front of him. His staff is running the show, including his vote, in my view. And until they can prove otherwise, why wouldn't I believe that? You've heard him in debates. You've heard him answer questions. He cannot do it. He cannot make cohesive sentences. Why would I believe that he can understand the question being asked? That is a legitimate concern. That is not a diagnosis of any kind. It is how the court of public opinion sees the Pennsylvania senator, incapable of understanding what's happening around him. And we don't say that with glee. We say it with disgust. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So good to be here to be with you. 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. The guy's not okay. He's not okay. Senator Dianne Feinstein is not okay. The age has caught up with her. She is not mentally or physically capable of being a U.S. senator. Of course she should have resigned well over a year ago. Of course she should have been replaced. It should have happened more than that ago. But Democrats didn't want to give up the position for whatever reason. No, 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 she's got to be there. We know that Dianne Feinstein in in committee hearings isn't even voting. The staff is saying, no, no, you're going to vote this way. You're going to vote this way. She's not able to understand what's happening around her. So why do we pretend that she is? And why do Democrats think this is okay? Why, when we discuss that Joe Biden is old and infirm, constantly doddering, constantly lying, the the very, very... um, horse level of speech every now and then he can scream one out why is it that we're told we're ageists and why do uh, leftists think that that works i don't give a damn if you call me an ageist who gives a crap it's fact these people in the case of feinstein and biden are too old so is mitch mcconnell as we discussed yesterday he was doing a press conference and then he has another one of those freezing moments. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. That's right. He goes to answer the question, and then he is just stone-faced. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? Yes. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. Senator. 
And you could almost see, I mean, I, I, I played it for you, that silence, that's how long it went. I wanted you to hear it. He's there in front of the Chambers of, of Commerce in Northern Kentucky. This is the second time it has happened. And what is the answer? Well, I'm going to go consult a doctor. Well, good. But America has spoken and you can't be Senate Minority Leader anymore. This is over. Why do we continue to have this class of politicos that is so old they cannot keep up? It's not a rudeness that I'm engaging people. It's a reality that I'm engaging. Why is that so hard for people? Dianne Feinstein, I said this yesterday, I meant every word of it. I do not believe that Dianne Feinstein can go to the restroom on her own accord. When Joe Biden gets redirected by the Easter Bunny on where to go, I believe that is because he is truly lost. And so do you. That the left won't talk about it? Who cares what the left will talk about? What is it that we demand? And this was MSNBC where Simone Sanders, who used to be with the Bernie uh, Sanders uh, campaign, she now has her own show on MSNBC because that's how it works. She's going out of her mind here because a representative by the name of Dean Phillips, for goodness sake, the family, friends, and staff of Senators Feinstein and McConnell are doing them in our country a tremendous disservice. It's time for term limits for Congress and the Supreme Court and some basic human decency. Well, I don't know about the Supreme Court, but you like, like how you, the, the progressive throws that in there. Uh, this is the response to it. I want to share Democratic Congressman Dean Phillips after um, Mitch McConnell had this episode today. He posted this, quote, for goodness sake, the family, friends and staff of Senators Feinstein and McConnell are doing them and our country a tremendous disservice. It is time for term limits for Congress and the Supreme Court and some basic human decency. Simone, what do you think about that? So I have had the pleasure of uh, meeting and speaking with Congressman Dean Phillips, and he is a lovely gentleman. But I do think that uh, there are things that we say on the Internet that we would not dare say in the presence of the people with whom we are discussing. The reality is, is this. It is. I watched that video about two times today of Senator McConnell, and my heart broke for him, for his family, for the people that know him very well. He is a, a father, a grandfather, and uh, I do hope that he is absolutely okay. I've said the same thing about Senator Feinstein here. But, you know, to to try to capitalize on the moment and bo- boost yourself up in this moment, uh, saying things that are just never going to come to fruition, in order for term limits to happen in Congress, the people who would be term limited would need to vote for that. That's not going to happen. Okay, so the, if you want some term limits, there's maybe some state-based ways to go about it potentially. I don't know. I haven't looked into the law. But what he is talking about is not based in fact. What kind of thing is that? What kind of answer is that? We can't allow this anymore. You don't think he would say it in front of someone's face? We are. Look, if members of Congress are a bunch of pansy wimps who are too afraid to speak the truth in front of each other, well, that's their problem. But we're not too afraid. I have never been a term limits guy 
ever, ever, ever. I believe the people are the term limits. They know when somebody's had enough. Move that cog. Replace them with somebody else. It's, they're just cogs in a machine. You pull it out. You put another one in. The machine keeps running. You got to have good cogs to make the machine run right, but neither here nor there. But holy heck, maybe we need term limits. Maybe that's just what we need. Maybe it's just no more. We can't trust these people, can't have faith in them, can't have faith in the American people to vote for somebody different because, oh, they don't have a D or an R after their name. Lordy, lordy. What is this deal that you, you know, to, to quote Evan Say It, you get elected when you're 26 and you leave office when you die. This is not working. It's not working. And the, the, the thing that truly isn't working, because there are plenty of people who have been in Congress for a while who are doing solid work and you appreciate and you like, what's not working is people like Simone Sanders. I forget that Simone Sanders was uh, part of the Vice President Harris team, former senior advisor and chief spokesperson for Vice President Kamala Harris. So she's used to people engaging in total uh, word nonsense and sounding ridiculous, right? She, she has become a near expert in this. Is that not right, Vice President Harris? <laughs> She thinks that you wouldn't say that in front of somebody. Well, challenge accepted. Let's go say it in front of somebody. Let's go be honest and clear and focused on these subjects. We can't put up with this. This is nutty. These people are not healthy. They're not okay. And we have to do something about it. We need to do something about it. We simply can't go on like this. The country can't take it. And not only politically, not only for safety and security, it's just gross. You're watching people get abused and we're all like, oh, well, that's the way it is. It's gross. Because some party apparatchik decided that they're the only candidate. And so they get reelected because they get all the money. And, and we have to watch this happen. I don't want to watch this happen. I want people of strength and of vigor. And if you don't have strength and vigor, well, then that's the end of that. I didn't say you had to run marathons and lift the most weight, be able to slam the, you know, dunk the the the, the most amount of basketballs or throw the most touchdowns or hit the hole in one. I, I didn't say any of that. But when you freeze up twice, it's over. When you're Diane Feinstein and your daughter has power of attorney because you're too old, it's over. Is there anything left to say about Joe Biden? It's over. And we have to be the people who say so by making changes, by engaging the vote, and changing these things. Otherwise, uh, all right, term limits it is. You, you, you beat me down. I hate it. The people should be the term limits. But dear God, is that what it's going to have to take to get this to stop? I'd rather the people did their job personally. But let's leave it this at this. The, the case for term limits just got a hell of a lot stronger. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. So Eminem is a chump, and John Mellencamp is a chump, okay? It's fine by me. Tony Katz, Tony Katz Today. 
Eminem doesn't want Vivek Ramaswamy using his lyrics anymore. I got to tell you, I, I don't know if that's about Eminem himself or if that's about the label because this came from the publisher, right? Ramaswamy was, was using Lose Yourself, uh, the, the song, and he was rapping to it. BMI has received a communication from Marshall B. Mathers III, professionally known as Eminem, objecting to the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign's use of Eminem's musical compositions. Oh, I guess it was uh, uh, from Eminem. BMI will consider any performance of the Eminem works by the Vivek 2024 campaign from this date forward to be a material breach of the agreement for which BMI reserves all rights and remedies with respect thereto. Look, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's your music, and uh, you you can you know say hey I I don't want it used in this kind of way. I think that what's interesting is that you're hearing from the political right. What a crybaby! Why is he such a dork? Um, he wasn't always like this. He was he wasn't always this. I, I think that on, on a public perception level, um, he was, you know, the guy who was never uh, a, never a homophobe. And um, it, it, I, I think that Elton John was always correct in saying, what are you all talking about? This is my friend. You're all ridiculous, right? Claims like that have always been uh, gross. But the idea that somehow Eminem is this just really great guy at... I don't know the dude personally, but it certainly never came across. He he always uh, came across to me as a uh, is curlish the word churlish. I'm sorry, curlish, churlish. Um, having a bad disposition or sur or surly, yeah. Difficult to work. That is the way he always came across to me. He was always that guy. I don't know. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's like a super decent dude in real life. How would I know? He doesn't care what I say. I don't care what he says. It wouldn't. It, it, it makes no difference. It's just, it's the way he always came across. I always thought he was this guy. Just like I always thought John Mellencamp was the biggest jerk on the planet. I know, you live in Indiana. You're supposed to love him. <laughs> Ego, maniacal, pseudo-intellectual, freak, pompous, lecturing jerk. Oh, there's a little ditty for you. He goes on to Bill Maher's podcast. Uh, and um, he's talking about how he had written this song from the cotton field to the playing fields. And you know that's going to be, a, of course, a racial song. But he never recorded it because he thought it was wrong. Right? Um, and uh, he, he was trying to show how white people love to have black entertainers and often exploit them. Bill Maher says, I, I would assume that the playing fields are a lot better than the cotton fields. And you're like, oh, this, this conversation's not going to go well. You're immediately like, how do, I, how do I not be a part of this in any way, shape, or form? And, you know, uh, Maher's point is, I got to assume that compared to the life of a slave, being able to participate in whether it's sports or uh, uh, any level of athletics, uh, uh, music, uh, theater, uh, it, it's it's it pays better. Um, you know, being a slave was not as good as playing left field for the Yankees, 
To which Mellencamp responds that there is no doubt, quoting here, uh, that one or two percent of black people in America, quote, have a better life. One or two percent? What? Who's, who talks like this? To which Bill Maher says, well, okay, stop. That's what you think? One or two percent? And then Mellencamp says, okay, let's say 10 percent. I just pulled a number out of my butt. He didn't say butt. Mellencamp's response is a great example of what happens when people believe their own BS and don't ever allow it to be challenged. The way you make an argument more sound is to have people disagree with the argument. Now, it should be noted you want the right people to disagree with an argument. If I were to say something on Twitter and Twitter would disagree with me, that's not the right argument. It's Twitter. Twitter is a place of ridiculous freaks. Here, I actually have exclusive audio of Twitter arguing with me right now. So that's about right. It's Twitter. It's not a serious place. When people are yelling and screaming at you, does it matter? Block, delete, mute, delete, block, delete, mute, delete, block. Can you even delete? It's just mute and block, mute and block, mute and block. That's it. What do these people think they have any control over my life? Some people have something interesting to say. I, I read that stuff. I think about that stuff. I sometimes respond to that stuff. But the rest of the people on Twitter? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. They don't matter. They're, that's not how you test uh, the validity of an argument or of a theory. You get trusted friends, even people you disagree with, and you're like, hey, here's my thought. Boom. And then see what the response is. See how you measure that response. And see whether or not that somehow um, eliminates your argument, makes you augment your argument, or it actually strengthens your argument. That's the way it's done. That's the way I did it. People ask, how did I do this? I put arguments and thoughts out into the world and got my ass handed to me by people who are smarter. And I learned how to build my arguments that way. None of this. I love it. People are like, oh, I'm just gonna, just gonna start radio, stop podcast, start podcast, because I know everything. You don't know everything. What study have you done? It's the difference, by the, way, by the way, between conservatism and populism. Populism doesn't actually require much study. It requires a lot of emotion. It has a lot of connectivity to leftism. Conservatism requires study, which is why the expression, you know, if you're a 20 and conservative, you have no heart. If you're 40 and a liberal, you have no brain. Study, life, all of it comes into play. Mellencamp's like, oh, one or 2%. Because in his view, everybody who's black is, is, is put down. I don't know. Maybe he thinks he needs to be the white Hoosier savior to save them. I, I don't know. Can you imagine thinking that everybody who's black is put down? It really does uh, make you understand how these DEI people operate, oppressed and oppressor and all that job. They, they, they live by that as opposed to really looking at what's happening and who is succeeding and where the issues are, et cetera. And when you're somebody like John Mellencamp and you're saying these things, you never actually look at the real issues. So things never actually get better. So that's Eminem and that's Mellencamp. I don't know, chumps, not chumps, good guys, bad guys. Well, Mellencamp's just ridiculous. Eminem, if he doesn't want his music used, that's 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 fine by me. 
Fine by me. Uh, I don't think he's worried about the blowback either. I think he counts his money, smiles, and moves on with his day. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. If you've been around me for more than a second, you know that I use certain expressions again and again. I really shouldn't. I really shouldn't because I don't, I don't know if it necessarily makes good radio. Uh, but but they're, they're these mantras that, that I have. Um, r- reminders. And, and one of them is never deny reality. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Um, one of those things that one must look at, do not ever deny reality, is that Donald Trump is popular and Donald Trump raised cash from this mugshot. Over a town hall, they did the math, and most people know the $7 million number. That's what they brought in since the mugshot took place. Right? Last week when the mugshot happened, and then then over the corresponding days, it was $7.1 million that came in. The next day, they brought in $4.18 million. It's the largest amount, according to townhall.com, the campaign has seen come in on a single day this cycle. Are we going to now deny this? Are we going to deny that this isn't exactly what's happening, exactly what's going on? That the man is popular, his popularity has not in any way waned, and he could very well be the nominee. I didn't say he should be the nominee. I have issues with the idea that Trump could win a a, a general election. Oh, I know people are angry with me about that, but what do you want me to do? Lie to you? I won't do that. Be afraid? Be afraid of the Trump mob? Uh, Listen to me carefully on that one. I just want to make sure I'm saying it right. What are you talking crazy? I have no plans of being afraid of anything. I wasn't afraid when I was talking about Trump in 2016, saying people do not understand why this guy is popular. And I got told that was ridiculous, it was crazy. Oh, the real conservatives are writing a national review about how you can't nominate Trump. Those real conservatives today are the ones most humping on the Trump train because they could never understand the fundamental of you. And for some of them, it broke them completely. And for some of them, I have not personally been like, oh, well, I guess everything's okay. I saw what you did there. They could not believe that you were not listening to them. And for many on that never Trump train, that is still the most unbelievable part. How dare you not listen to them? Their conservatism. I'm Bill Crystal. I'm conservatism. No, you're not. Because you confused a guy with policy and you confused fighting with policy. You confuse not getting punched in the face again, then again, then again, then again, then again, then again, then again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, with policy. 
You figured being a conservative was getting punched in the face and saying, well, we like low taxes. <laughs> Let's go to the Christmas party. Shall we, Democrat friend? And the people in America said, could we win one of these things once in a while? Damn it. That'd be really nice. And they never understood. And the people who signed these, these letters and did it, oh, Trump. They never understood that it wasn't about conservatism. I remember the interviews we did here. It, it, was, it was a threat to conservatism. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a threat to conservatism. It was a response to many other things. The policy is a policy, is a thought, is an idea that comes from the rational mind and it comes from experience. Dear Lord, one guy can blow that all up. Then how good are those actual ideas and thoughts and policies? And I knew they were pretty damn good. So I never allowed that conversation in. And I think many of you didn't either. You were able to kind of make that split. A lot of people couldn't because, well, their, their, their livelihoods and their, their honor and their name was on the line. So now here we are in 2024. And here I am, a guy who supported Trump in 2016 by saying very clearly, I don't know Trump's a conservative, but with Trump, I have a 50-50 shot at getting what I want. And with Hillary Clinton, I get no shot. I'm voting for Trump. It was actually an open letter that I wrote to my kids. And I, it was really the first time I ever, no, it wasn't really. It was the first time I ever recognized my children in print. It was the first time I had ever done that. Maybe the only time. And so I said, Here, here's why I, I did this and let's hope for the best. Worked out pretty well. The Trump years worked out pretty well. Not everything was perfect, not everything I agreed with. Sorry, I get tariffs as a tool to try and make somebody move, but tariffs are taxes, and anybody who says otherwise doesn't understand thing one about economics, and I'm not going to get into that fight with those people. Just as an example. But we're far, we are far better off, and he'd be far better than Biden, and I would, if Trump's the nominee, I'll vote for him. If Trump's the nominee, I'll vote for him. My issue is, I don't know if he can win a general. And that gets me derision from, from people. And the answer is, yeah, it's okay. Because I recognize that 2016 is not 2024. Those people don't. Reality is, it's eight years removed. It is a failed 2020 election, a failed 2020 uh, a special election uh, for, for Senate. It is a failed 2022 to get the quote-unquote red wave. It's four indictments. It's a recognition that America may not be too into this guy. What was avant-garde and cool and hip and sticking it to the man in 2016 in 2024 is about a guy who just wants to continue to be the man inside D.C. And you, if, if people have a hard time with that. Oh, you don't understand. No, I think I understand pretty clearly. If he's the nominee, I'll vote for him. I'm not so sure that guy can win a general. And the people saying, of course he can. I don't think they're honest uh, players. But reality must be acknowledged. Dear Lord, look at these polling numbers. Look at this spread. The real clear politics average. And again, uh, you're right. I don't trust the polling, but the numbers tell you a story. If I could take a look at the last one, two, three, four, five, six, the last eight polls, and Trump is ahead 
give or take, by 40? Right now, it's Trump 53.6, DeSantis 13.5. What do you... Am I not supposed to notice that? And that's where the other people go crazy. Oh, Tony, you can't give him credit. What are you talking about? I'm not believing one poll. I have nine different pieces of polling here. Some of them are complete and total hot garbage. But are you not going to notice that Trump is popular? What are you, crazy? Now, what I've said uh, very, very publicly is that one of the things that I will not do is that I will not let the polling decide any level of fait accompli. And what I mean is, is that what matters is what Iowa does. How do the voters vote? And you can say to me, but Tony, it's caucus, it's not primary. You want to wait to New Hampshire? Feel free. You want to wait till New Hampshire? Go nuts. Should we take a look at the New Hampshire numbers? Sure. I love New Hampshire numbers. The latest out of New Hampshire, Trump 50, DeSantis 11, Chris Christie 9. That's the Trafalgar Group poll that ended August 16th, August 14th to August 16th. That's the last one I have from New Hampshire. I'm expecting a massive DeSantis run. Well, that's an interesting question, and what if I told you the answer is, I don't know if it's going to be a run, but you're about to see an uptick. You are going to see an uptick in DeSantis's approval and people saying, okay, I think I can go with this. Because DeSantis, and you heard me uh, share this, DeSantis, there in Florida, Looking at hurricane damage, he's standing there at the podium. He's in the windbreaker. He's got five members of, uh, six members of the National Guard behind him in uniform. And here's how he's talking. All trying to loot uh, down in Steenhatchee. And I've told all of our personnel at the state level, you know, you, you protect people's property and, and we are not going to tolerate any looting in the aftermath of a natural disaster. I mean, it's just ridiculous that you would try to do something like that on the heels of an almost Category 4 hurricane hitting this community. I'd also just remind potential looters that people, you never know what you're walking into. People have a right to defend their property. Uh, This part of Florida, you got a lot of advocates and some proponents of the Second Amendment. And I've seen signs in different people's yards in the past after these disasters. And I would say it's probably here. You loot, we shoot. You never know what's behind that door. If you go break into somebody's house and you're trying to loot, uh, these are people that are going to be able to defend themselves and their families. That gets you noticed and applause. And certainly as we've taken a look at this um, this hurricane, Adalia, that came across, and it seems that it's the flooding that's been the, the, the story. The only person right now that I've seen who's perished, and it's an awful, it was in Georgia, a tree fell on somebody. I mean, that's just, that is just horrific. But um, I think where it hit in Florida, the fact that it hit so far north into that part of, of the panhandle that has the least amount of population, um, it was to the extent any of that could be seen as good fortune, right? Um, 
that it was so much of the flooding, so that's about damage, not so much about death, and we don't even know the extent of the damage because the the surges were all the way down to Fort Myers. There was already flooding there in the day before the hurricane actually hit land. And then this thing really tracked further north than people thought, which had it going over the Atlantic, bringing more storm surge into places like Savannah. Places like Charleston were already dealing with flooding in South Carolina. And now this thing turned a little bit earlier. It's supposed to be on its way to Bermuda right now. And it may very well, it may very well strengthen and try and make a comeback. But DeSantis was there on the ground, the press conferences, everything was clear and focused. They've already got power on in certain places. They brought the attention here and people are going to say, that's leadership. What did Biden do for the wildfires in Maui? Oh, as we've discussed the, the It wasn't climate change. It was human incompetence. It was progressive incompetence. And I want to start with the governor, Josh Green, because he has not taken enough of a hit on that at all. These poor people in Maui. I am really convinced that, that the people in Maui are right when they're like, you got to come visit. We need the tourism dollars. We should. Like, we, sh- we should plan a trip. We should all go. We should go. Spend four days in, in, in Maui. Uh, help where we can and spend our money in local restaurants and, and shops. I'll broadcast. I mean, they, they need the tourism dollars. Let's go Let's go do that. I, I don't even know how to do that. I don't know how to put that together at all. Some things I know how to do. I don't, I don't know how to do. But I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'll broadcast live. So they're six hours behind. So I'll, I'll, do, my, I'll do my morning show at, at, at midnight and I'll do this show at 3 a.m. Was it 6 a.m.? It'll be at 6 a.m., right? Sorry. Sure. Absolutely. Challenge accepted. It's awful what's happening. And people have been saying, stay away. They need the, to, to rebuild. They, they can't have people stay away. They need the tourism dollars. And by the way, so do many, many areas of Florida. But I think that it, it, it does sound awful to say that a hurricane is going to be helpful. Guy doesn't plan hurricanes. He doesn't make the hurricane happen. But watching his response is absolutely going to help DeSantis. It is. DeSantis is going to be the story, and that mostly hurts people like Vivek Ramaswamy. Certainly will hurt Haley and Pence, who are trying to get some momentum from the debate. But does anything actually hurt Trump? Massively ahead in New Hampshire. Massively ahead in in, uh, nationally. uh, There is no new polling out of Iowa. The last one was August 17th, which had Trump at 42 and DeSantis at 19. Don't deny reality. The guy, Trump raised millions of dollars since the mugshot. Millions. Not these other candidates. Trump is still massively ahead and is popular within the party. And the party does believe in the main that he is being railroaded and they want to be supportive. The question for the party is, does supportive mean sacrificing winning the presidency? Well, we're not going to sacrifice it. We're going to win it. I love the attitude. Is that the reality? I don't believe it is. And I've seen nothing that shows me that it is on a general election side. You're going to show me a piece of polling? Yeah, that's that, that dog won't hunt. Nothing shows me that. And that's why I'm saying, even with the numbers, and I think we should talk about them, until I see some actual voting, 
in Iowa. I'm, I think that this is still a very, very influx, very confusing and fascinating race. I do think that DeSantis is about to engage some level of rebirth. We'll see if they got team can make it last. They, they screwed up the first part of the campaign. We'll see if this reset and some of these latest things give them that opportunity if they have the ability to seize that opportunity. We're all going to find out together. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Why is today Circle K Day? I don't understand how this came to be. All I know is that Circle K today, right, so today's Thursday, 30 cents off per gallon of gas from 4 to 7 p.m. I, I don't know why, but take advantage of it and be polite. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Say thank you, do all the things. Uh, for Till like 4 p.m., coffee and soda is 50% off. Prepared food, like you can get like the hot dog that's on the little roller thing, 50% off. Car washes are 50% off. Electric vehicle charging is 50% off until 4 p.m. I don't, I don't know why. I've been trying to figure out why it's Circle K Day. No one, no one can answer the question. It's happening all across the country. It's happening right here in Indiana. It's happening everywhere. Uh, my advice, uh, if you're going to fill up and you've got a Circle K near you, um, check to see if they're participating and uh, you might have to wait online a little bit, but be nice to people, right? Be nice, that's what's key. And uh, 30 cents off a, a gallon. So $3 a 10 gallons, it's your three bucks. I think it's pretty good. And then, you know, you can get yourself a get yourself a hot dog on a roller. Honestly, how can you go wrong? Hot dog on a roller and a cup of coffee. Honestly, what could go wrong? Just make sure you're pretty close to home because you're going to need a bathroom soon enough. You know it and I know it. <laughs> Find everything at TonyCats.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care. <laughs>